0: exciting episode of the losing sucks fantasy football podcast Travis Masterson and myself Dustin Blanton what's going on man the Bears have won the Super Bowl it's over all is well with the world we have found
1: the Messiah <laughs> no
0: need to worry
1: anymore this season has come and gone Life is good all the offseason work is just out the window the season's come and gone. I can't wait for next year. The Bears won the Super Bowl.
0: I Yeah. Wow. Congratulations, <laughs> to everyone else, uh, for playing for second place. I want to commend everyone on giving it their all. Fantasy football news is irrelevant now. We have seen what we have been coming to see,
1: and we're here. We're here. We only made it to seven episodes I, before I, this thing was over. 2021 was great.
0: That's right. Fantasy football. Yeah, we... We've peaked. We've peaked. They always say that you peak at your seventh episode, and I <laughs> they couldn't be more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the old adage. Seven episodes, and everything else is downhill
1: from there. I can't imagine the, uh, the tilting that's going on at the Fancy Football Expo on all the yeah. draft boards that are currently going on that are live there as they watch Justin Fields, how high he's going right. just over the course of today.
0: Yeah, what I saw is it definitely justifies a seven-round jump to me. Wow. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so whatever round he was going in, bump it up by seven. and so he's there next under- to Patrick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Patrick looks up at him. Yeah, Patrick wow. Mahomes is definitely struggling to
1: look Justin Fields in the eye right now. And in all only- seriousness, no, it, he did look good. I'm excited about it. It makes me excited for the future of that offense.
0: Yeah, you know – there's, of course, you're gonna have the the preseason arguments. It's ah, oh, he's facing third and fourth string guys, which, in all fairness, probably was nobody. Nobody thought he was gonna be bad. Yeah, that's, you know, there you're gonna have the small corners of people who think ah, oh, he was supposed to be a bust, or you'll have, of course guys like me that see him running a touchdown and be like, wow, we you know who wasn't doing that? Nick Foles. Yeah, like Andy Dalton's not doing that. <clears throat> I've got you know a few games to, of Andy Dalton to look for, but enough about my fandom, man. Like, it's just nice to be able
1: to wake up and watch football and ignore a lot all lot of my other today. responsibilities. It's it's so nice. If they do win the Super Bowl, it's going to have to be over Drew Lock and the Broncos because that one throw right there is everything they needed to see too. For sure, yeah.
0: That would be another one. Yeah, uh, looks looks to be that Denver's they definitely so primed good. to win the Super, or at least partake in the Super Bowl. They're not going to win. But yeah, with Drew Locke throwing 80-yard bombs to K.J. Hamler, the MVP of the <laughs> NFL. Um, <laughs>
1: exactly what we all thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's honestly the entire season's falling right into place with exactly what everyone had projected. So way to go, everyone. We got it right. But man, we've got, for today's show, is all about Justin Fields. God, no. Um, but also, we're we're, <laughs> we're talking about guys unlike Justin Fields that we are on the fence about guys that
1: we feel we don't know how we feel about you know how high of a fence are we talking here are we talking like a a front yard three footer that you could jump over or put your hands on and jump over so it's an uncomfortable is this something that you're gonna have to decide because it's a it's quite a climb
0: yeah i mean as far as it's it's a you're at the top of a fence i think it's a chain link fence or at least like one of the wood fences that have like the points at the top um so if you're wrong on on the side of the fence it's not going to be an easy jump back over. No, no, you're at least a solid eight feet off the ground right now. It's a privacy fence, you know. Maybe you got a nosy neighbor or two. It's an uncomfortable part of the fence that you're on right now as well. So, right. um, speaking, I mean, speaking about you know the comfortability of fences, as I'm sure <laughs> we all That's what know came about. here for. <laughs> this is the this is the groundbreaking info that people come here for. Come come in next week when we talk about the tastes of mulch. Um, so who are we on the, let's get this
1: fence, this fence talk kicked off here. You're darn right. Actually, let's, let's preface with what we did. So we had an idea this morning to get a few other guys involved that we have some discussions with on other players, other posts pretty regularly on Twitter. Um, so we got four guys that chimed in pretty quick and very thoroughly on a few of the guys we were asking about. And we just wanted to shout out Luke Sawhook at Luke Sawhook on Twitter. Frank Amirante at fa tfj on Twitter. Clinic Cap with two P's. Same at on Twitter, Clinic Cap. And then finally, I think he's becoming one of my favorite people in the world pretty quickly, is Everybody Hates Rob at We Hate Rob.
0: And I think I speak for us all when I say I also hate Rob. Congratulations, man. I think that's what he wants. Yeah, he and you know what? There's not enough people out there that are trying to garner all of the hate. There's a lot of people going for love and joy and he's just all about the the assets that we're not even paying attention to. Go you, Rob. That's a smart move. It is a smart, that's a move. smart move. That's savvy right there. So, who are we on the fence about? So, we're talking there's a we got a handful of running backs and wide receivers. I want to kick it off because there are some guys, the three guys that we want to talk about. First guy, Kareem Hunt who I always get to that part in drafts where I don't know what to do with him. You know, you see the name and everyone of course has the greatest memories of Kareem Hunt. You know, he's a league winning running back. He's, he's a guy that, yeah, you know, Nick Chubb's there, but if Nick Chubb goes out, Travis, if he, if, if something happens to Nick Chubb, like he did last year, if he gets injured. He, he's going to win you the league and you're getting a you know, you're getting the number, a number one running back, Right in the fifth round, if something happens to Nick Chubb. Well, is that true? Is that true, Travis? Are you getting...
1: What are the numbers? What do the numbers say, Dustin?
0: Well, let me tell you, Travis. This is this is getting to be like a very, like... I feel like the, the tone right now is getting to be like children's <laughs> special right now. Like people turn on PBS and put their kids in front of it and we're talking fantasy football.
1: But for real... Kareem Hunt is a sexy name. When you see his name on the board... When you see his name on your team, it's a feel good. It is. It's like, oh yeah, this guy is a fantasy stud. He's going in the fifth he round. He is going to bring experience to my locker room, right? Because especially my fantasy locker room, because he's been a fantasy star before. There's going to be people. Who, but what do the numbers really say about Kareem?
0: There are people who play fantasy football right now that hear us there that don't play <laughs> fantasy football that will listen to us. I'm like, how do the players talk to each other? How do they? How do they? How do they talk to each other? And they have like, locker you rooms. Have a locker room? <laughs> but. Kareem Hunt had nearly 200 carries last year and 50 targets, which on its own merits is a pretty good workload. You know, 250 touches, solid um, as a running back. And he finished as the running back 19 in fantasy points per game last year. And he's being drafted as the running back 24. But let me tell you, let me tell you kind of why I have some hesitation about Kareem Hunt because. In the four games that Chubb was out, he averaged 16 carries and three-and-a-half targets per game. But here's here's kind of where it gets me, is because he had that workload, but it's not like a huge change over what he normally had. Because he normally averaged, when in the games where Chubb played, he averaged 11 carries and three targets. So really all you're getting is an extra five carries. Looking at the numbers... Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb's usage, um, they're, they're almost the same player when when one goes down in terms of... Nick Chubb, I feel like, has so much higher of an upside if Kareem Hunt goes down. Whereas, Kareem Hunt, if Nick Chubb goes down, it looks like they only want him to have roughly 16 carries. Same thing with Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb only averages about 16 carries a game as well. Um it's giving. They want they want their lead back to have that role, and then they want another back to have more of a receiving role. When Nick Chubb went down, Kareem Hunt's targets there were there were actually times when he had less than his average of targets because they just want their their workhorse just to run. He uh, his finishes when Nick Chubb went out weren't they talk about if Nick Chubb goes down, you have this league winner. Well, he had one running back one week. The rest, he had a running back two at running back fourteen, and then he had a running back thirty-one week and a running back thirty. Ouch! It's not like you're you're sitting here thinking
1: like yeah, you don't necessarily hate Kareem Hunt in the fifth if he's your RB three.
0: Yeah, if he's my RB three and I have two guys like if I'm not having to rely on Kareem Hunt, then absolutely. If I can if I can structure my roster in such a way that he is an upside play, then absolutely because yeah, he gives right. you weekly upside. What I want out of my running backs, I want floor. You know, I want a safe floor. And Kareem Hunt, that's that's not usually what he's giving you. Finishing as a running back 24 in fancy points per game isn't nothing. Um, but the the team's not going to give him a bell cow. If Chubb goes down, his ceiling rate rises you know, to about the running back 10 or 15, which, great, you're getting him in the fifth round. But you can't draft guys with
1: a thought of another guy getting injured. So you're fine with Kareem Hunt in the fifth as an RB3 or flex, if you were to go one running back in the first four and take receivers, or maybe you got one of the big three tight ends, he's still not necessarily somebody that you would want to target as an RB2 because of his ceiling being so limited while Chubb is healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, just looking at his finishes from last year, he he wasn't setting the world on fire when he was splitting the backfield with Chubb. I mean, they want Chubb to have the valuable targets. You know, Kareem Hunt, He was he was getting some work, but he wasn't he wasn't gonna he wasn't lighting the the league on fire. You know he he had some red zone targets or touches. You're not seeing the uh, the efficiency metrics out of out of Kareem Hunt. You're you're not you can't expect a guy just to to beat Chubb when when Chubb gets injured. You know it's not like the Browns have oh my gosh we've got two Nick Chubbs here. It doesn't work like that.
1: It's ADP is the beginning of the fifth round. So generally speaking, you're you're fading Chub- I mean, uh, you're fading Hunt a little bit, unless you're in a desperation situation in your draft. Who's the next guy that you are on the fence about? Maybe we have. I think. Oh, it's Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon. We have some feedback from these shout out guys on Twitter. If we want to incorporate that in the beginning here, see see what people think. That we trust their opinion. That we go back and forth with. How do they feel about Melvin Gordon?
0: Well, asking people about Melvin Gordon on on twitter um looks like there's a strong consensus that he's you know he's gonna have that value in the first eight weeks you know six to eight weeks which i don't necessarily think that that's wrong because looking at melvin gordon and what he did last year it was good He yeah yeah he had a quietly good year and we talked about names you know names of guys that are kind of around these guys you know Philip Lindsay. We know that he played there last year, but he only had 150 carries last year, and they did not throw to him much. Melvin Gordon just wasn't—he wasn't efficient. Um, we know that there's a hole in that game for for Melvin Gordon for Javante Williams to come in take the role because Melvin Gordon isn't isn't doing something that Javante can't do. You know, like you you talk about where where Melvin Gordon's going. Do you see you know, the, the do guy- you see
1: Gordon getting less than 50% because cap Frank, Luke, Rob, everybody thinks that he's an asset for the first 6 to 8 weeks and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Right. But you if you think that then you've got to be able to bail on him at the right time, get second half season value in a trade at the right time, which we can help you do. Other analysts can help you do as well. As as the season goes on, you're going to want to make the moves at the right time. Sure. Do you think that in the second half of the year, which is kind of the debate here, everybody's on board with him for the beginning as Williams kind of gets his feet under him in the NFL. Is Melvin Gordon a big fade in the second half of the year? Does he go below fifty percent in touches? I don't think so. Um, they're not going to bench Melvin Gordon straight up. No, I don't think they'll. Why wouldn't they use both
0: of them? They could. They very well could. I just don't think that they're going to use Javante Williams in the way that they that people think that they used Philip Lindsay. He's not going to be a pass catching you know satellite back. He profiles as a guy that does the same things as melvin gordon and this is a team that that took a second round pick and and used it on a running back yeah it's going to be indicative and they traded up to get him i believe so that's kind of indicative of future success of, of a running back like at least for the carries wise this team had they had 375 carries last year and if we give you know 50 to each it's 187 carries i mean that's not that's not a huge workload and that's assuming if you do 50-50, yeah, it might start off 60-40. I mean, granted, people were were watching, you know, the the preseason games today and Javante Williams had a nice touchdown. I mean, he looks good. But at the same time, like how this is the thing with rookies, you know, you never know how much work they're going to get right off the bat. There is a world with with Melvin Gordon where he doesn't start off 50-50. He doesn't even start off 60-40 there is a world where Javante gets the, the lion's share of things and Melvin Gordon is, is kind of a, a, a breather back, you know?
1: Like a- so he's too risky for you. Even at his ADP at the end of the sixth round as RB30, he's going around guys like Damian Harris, who I love, Ronald Jones, who I love. Talked about Ronald Jones in a video. Trey Sermon, Mostert, James Robinson, all of these guys are in somewhat of a split. Harris is probably in the least of the split, but all of them are split guys. All of them are fantasy valuable guys. Where do you put Melvin Gordon against Harris, Ronald Jones, Sermon, Mostert, and James Robinson? Would you rather have all of that whole group over Melvin Gordon?
0: I think I would have him above Damian Harris.
1: Um, wow. I would not. I don't, I'm excited I about just, Damian.
0: I just don't trust the, the New England running back room. I don't ever trust it. I mean... Are you taking Damian Harris as your running back three? Um, Absolutely. Sure. I mean, but then I, I've been burned too many times by New England. I think again, he outtouches Melvin Gordon. Nothing against Damian Harris. Um, yeah, it's possible that he out outtouches out uh, Melvin. We haven't seen really anything from Damian. I mean, there's no season-long touch totals. I mean, I think he's had a handful of carries. He, I mean, yeah. he, they've used him sparingly. And they've got yeah the numbers aren't necessarily there to to argue Damian Harris over Melvin Gordon it's kind of a gut thing for me very similar running backs in that room and Sony Michelle Ramondre Stevenson everyone's going crazy about because he had that 90 yard run against guys who were trying to make the team I mean again great for them Damian Harris look there is a there is a world where Damian Harris you know has run, I mean he's gonna have running back one week so that's that's just the The fact he's going to have big weeks. Melvin Gordon will have weeks where he's useful too. It's predicting them. It's being able to predict. You know, maybe I do take Damian Harris over him because I do see Damian Harris probably having that role all season long. I'll probably take Ronald Jones over Melvin Gordon. I'd probably take Trey Sermon um, and Raheem Mostert. James Robinson, I think, is being drafted. Yeah, he's being drafted after Melvin, probably. I like James Robinson. I, I do believe that—
1: I really do, too. You I thought people are pushing him way too far the I had a big side.
0: year last year, and I do think that they want to run the ball. I do think ETN's going to take over that backfield, but not to get too far away from Melvin Gordon. I just think Melvin Gordon does have a, a big enough hole in his game in terms of the the receiving work. Even when he was in you know, San Diego, Los Angeles, he relied more on volume of, of catches— and wasn't necessarily the most efficient. He was 41st in yards per touch last last year, which doesn't scream efficiency. Whether it was the bad team or whatnot, they brought someone else in to take the work. I'm not excited about him. If I if you ask me, like, hey, who would you take in the sixth round to be RB three? I would I would bet on Javante Williams. You know, being taken three picks before because I don't think there's no scenario in my mind, at least, where Javante gets phased out for Melvin. If anything, Melvin is going to lose some of his work. You know, even if it is the second half of the season, you know, you're not selling yourself short on the, you know, the beginning of the league because we talk about the half of the season, Travis, and we talk about like, oh, you know, six to eight weeks, but what if it's two weeks? What if you draft Melvin Gordon as two weeks and then Javante Williams takes over that role? That can happen. And now you think that, okay, I'm waiting for a big game for Melvin. And it never happens. He just is that kind of he's around. He's a name that still plays, but he's not producing like a top back because he doesn't have the opportunities. And that's why I'm staying away from him. I, I just think that there's too much risk when other guys have probably more longevity and just as much upside. Yeah, I
1: agree. I, one of the points that I think that you have here that is one of my favorites is if you give 50% of the touches to both Broncos running backs. Hypothetically, if you split it right down the middle, which is probably yeah, which is probably a best case scenario for Melvin Gordon over the course of the year, they each have one hundred and eighty seven carries. So for that reason, if that's an upside, a fifty percent, people would be happy. If if you're a Melvin Gordon owner and you're getting fifty percent of the running back touches, you're happy. Right. That only gets you to one hundred and eighty seven carries. I'm out on Melvin Gordon. The other guys. Like Ronald Jones, like Harris, have the potential to go two twenty five, two hundred and fifty touches.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not impossible. And you know what, and tell me what you make of this, because this is also a small story. It's something that I don't necessarily like to see with guys coming into the season is that Melvin Gordon hasn't been in any camp all all off season. Like he's not with the team, he's been away. Could be a small thing, but again, right. Teddy Bridgewater might take over the quarterback spot working with a new running back, he's got to trust him. Is there do you, is there anything to be said for that? Do you does that add to any any worry for you because we've already laid out most of the the case for Melvin Gordon to be kind of faded a little bit?
1: Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't really worry me. I feel like we've seen this before from Melvin Gordon, especially just veterans in general that have had a lot of success like he has in the league. They don't necessarily need this time. He can come in. He, I'm sure he's staying in great shape. Right. It's not like he's gonna be in camp learning a bunch. He's returning to the same team. It's not a new quarterback, a new coaching sy- system. He can step in, get one week of right. of practice and be ready to roll. It'll probably be a little fresher anyway. But I'm ready I'm I'm good to move on to Melvin Gordon. I'm probably gonna stay away from okay. him. I'll take a Ronald Jones, a Harris, or a Mostert over him.
0: You talked about him being a veteran with past success. You know who isn't a veteran with a bunch of past success, Travis? Who Durrell Henderson.
1: Oh, I love this guy.
0: I know you do. And this is a guy we've talked about a bunch um, this off season because ever since Cam Akers went out, R.I.P., I was very off on Durell Henderson. I was out on him. I'm like, you know, th- I just haven't seen it from him. He's had a few games with a bunch of carries. You get that that first thought, the first impression when you hear his name, and you're like, okay, he's he was you know passed over by Cam Akers he couldn't take the job from a you know decrepit Todd Gurley those are the things that were in my mind but then looking at him i feel a little bit better i don't feel great
1: it's like he feels like two day old pizza that's what he is he is somebody that i am not on the fence about he's on the list because you're not sure exactly how to feel about him i'm telling you this guy is efficient he had better yards per touch than Cam Akers right he's right there with Eckler and some of the other great running backs from last year he's this guy every time he touches the ball he does well he's got the same yards per carry as DeAndre Swift James Robinson Clyde Edwards David Montgomery he's in that group he just hasn't been given the volume they don't have a choice now
0: and that's kind of what worries me
1: Malcolm's gone Akers is gone they've had him for two years he's going to get 15 plus touches a a week he's got to
0: and that's – I just hate being in a position where it's like he hasn't earned the touches. It's something happened and it was given to him. That doesn't make me feel good because, look, all it takes is them finding someone off uh, off the street or in camp or they sign a free agent or whatever it is that they like more, that they t- put more trust in than Darrell Henderson. That's, that's my only trepidation with him because looking at his numbers, you know, he, he did have a game last year. Where he saw twenty carries over or he saw one game over twenty carries and he went for over a hundred yards against Buffalo. I like that game. I mean, I really had to look for reasons to like him and then tell ask myself, Am I being am I am I looking too hard for reasons to like him? Am I setting myself up for failure by drafting him at his ADP in the fourth round? He's being drafted as the R B twenty one, which isn't terrible. You know, Cam Akers was most likely gonna be a top fifteen, top twelve back. I don't like giving that kind of role just to the backup.
1: You think he's safer than a guy like Miles Gaskin?
0: No, I think he's safer than Miles Gaskin. Guys, he's sure. being drafted um, pretty much
1: around. You think he's safer or not as safe as Miles? I'm not
0: making any I mean, again, people are gonna be listening to this after they've probably watched the preseason game, saw Malcolm Brown get a bunch of get a bunch of run. Darrell Henderson is not Miles Gaskin. Darrell Henderson has better draft capital than Miles Gaskin. He's a better athlete than Miles Gaskin. And no, he's probably not the pass catcher that Miles Gaskin is, but now again, he, Henderson's going to be the head of a committee, a committee, <laughs>
1: a committee, he's the first ever committee leader for the Rams, committee backfield.
0: leader of the, yeah, he's the Los Angeles Ram committee uh, leader. <laughs> and I, I found some interesting stats that made me feel a little bit better. Granted, take it with a grain of salt, cause it's not the end of the world. Um, but Doriala Henderson saw fourteen and a half percent of his runs were ten yards or above in his career. He's explosive. Or last year, I should say. Josh Jacobs was only eleven percent. And granted, these are running backs are going right around where he's going. And David Montgomery was only ten percent. He's he's got the juice. Yeah, he does. He's athletically he's athletically comparable to uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, which I like. He's he's short, compact.
1: He had a pretty good fantasy career.
0: Yeah, I. I think Darrell Henderson can give you very good value where he's going. And you can see kind of how Los Angeles wants to use their lead back when they have a guy that they trust. Because when Cam Akers finally was given the mantle of lead back, he's had, he had three games of 20 plus carries. And like I said, I don't think that we can just necessarily give that amount to Henderson, but I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that he gets 15 to 20 touches a game. And in the fourth round, you don't really have a bunch of other backs that you can take there that are getting that work. So with that being said, I am I am gonna state it for the record right now I'm in on Darrell Henderson. All right. But it's but it's not with a bunch of confidence. You're I will hedging in your him. bed a little bit. I will draft him, but I'm not gonna sit here and and you know, I'm not gonna buy the jersey. I'm not gonna <laughs> buy the, the hat. I'm not gonna I wouldn't I'm either. not gonna I'm not gonna buy the subscription, but for this year I think that I can't bank on them signing someone else. I think Darrell
1: Henderson if he's their guy, which he looks
0: to be, I think he he's going to he's going to be fine for your fantasy team.
1: I think it's he's somebody that you want to circle to for if your plan is not going like you would ho- have hoped in the draft and you went running back, receiver, receiver and now you're starting to worry about your second running back. He's a good RB, 2 Don't see him in the fourth and say, oh, no, I'll wait to the fifth and get a guy who's going to split or the sixth like a Melvin Gordon or a Williams. I like him over those guys for the whole season. I think he's a safer RB, two. He's not going anywhere. They don't have competition. Granted, yes, they could bring somebody in, but I feel like if they were going to do that, they would have done that. They've had plenty of time to do that. It, sure. All signs are pointing to they're all in on Henderson. They're going to bring up the guys behind him as quickly as they can. But when the games are real, it's going to be the Henderson show. I think Stafford throws more with Akers being gone. I don't think they're going to do the 20 carries, 25 carries every week like they were starting to do with Akers, like we had hoped we were going to see from Akers. He's not going to step in and get exactly what Akers would have gotten, but I think he's going to get plenty to be a very valuable RB2 in the fourth round.
0: And that's what you're looking for. I would take him over, like you said, Miles right. Gaskin. Um, I'd probably, yeah, I'd take him over Kareem Hunt. The, I mean, there's probably going to be a few fantasy teams that I have where I have Darrell Henderson and then I follow it up with Mike Davis.
1: And that's a fine thing to do if you're drafting Henderson Davis, and you've got two great receivers already.
0: Yeah, that is something you have to consider when you're when you're talking about drafting these guys. Is who else you would have taken in the rounds between them? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Right. You, you'd probably have some balance there.
1: So we're in on Henderson. You're a little bit more cautious. Yeah, but yeah, I'm generally kind of peeking in. With I'm
0: peeking in. I like what I see. I think I'm coming in the door, but I'm I'm kind of keeping an eye on the door, keeping keeping
1: track of where the exits are. Um, that would be a gate because we're talking fences, right? A gate. That door that you're talking about would be a gate. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking fence talk.
0: So those are those are the, so those are the running backs I wanted to cover.
1: I hate this next one. I hate it, but we have to do it. We're
0: we're moving into wide receivers now and with the first when I was reading through the names of of wide receivers I would have considered for this segment, the first guy that popped up and it just hit me in the face was Odell Beckham. Everybody's on the fence. My
1: gosh, man. You have to be, you have to I mean, Every- we don't know what
0: to do with him yet we're playing 2017 fantasy football and Melvin Gordon and Odell Beckham are here. Like huge chunks of the podcast for sure. Odell, this is so, because you have to, you have to be banking on the fact that he's healthy, which my gosh, like he has not been. And it, it feels rough because he tore his ACL, you know, and being out, he tore it like in the middle of the season, so you don't necessarily know if he's going to be a 100% coming into week. Right. You know, he's going in the sixth round. He's being taken as wide receiver 28.
1: It feels like a safe ADP. Like, it feels about right.
0: Right? Like, I don't feel like Odell would kill my team if I had to take him in the sixth round. He was seeing seven targets a game last year, on pace for 112, which, again, the year before, I think he had like a 130 or so. He's going to see volume, which. Seeing that late in the draft, you're kind of at the end of wide receivers who are guaranteed anything. You know, one twelve, a pace of 112, you know, you're know, you talking Higgins, Evans, Godwin, Thielen.
1: And the volume's going to be there.
0: Sure, but you think of the Browns as a run-heavy, run run-first run team. That, yeah. The fact of the matter is you want guys on good offenses, and Odell is going to be on a good offense, and there's a good chance he's going to be the number one receiving option you know he's got some some good things going for him obviously super talented premium athlete he's only 30 years old uh, or at least going to be 30 years old and you know he was he was averaging a red zone target a week which that's what you want in your receiver you want him to be a go-to in the in you know areas of the field where you're going to be scoring touchdowns so that was top 12 for him as well in the sixth round you're not asking him to be his former self.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody's even hoping for that. I think people are hoping for a reliable wide receiver too, and the question is, is he going to be that? Who is he going around? Are those guys safer to give you those kind of numbers, or do those guys have wide receiver one upside, whereas he probably does not?
0: Sure, I mean the guys going around him right now, you know Higgins and Claypool. I'll say those are the two you know bigger names going in the you know roughly fifth, sixth round. I had to ask myself, like, do I feel like the range of outcomes, do I feel like if, if I had to, if someone asked me, like, can this guy f- finish as a, you know, you're taking him in the wide receiver three range, so can he finish as a wide receiver two or higher? And yes, he can. On any given week, can he put up a week-winning week as a wide receiver? I think the talent is there to do it, yes. And you're getting him in the sixth round, I'm not saying I would I would take him over Chase Claypool or T Higgins, but if if it was in the sixth round and I wanted those guys and he's all that was left, then yeah I would feel I would feel pretty good taking him, knowing that he's on an offense that is going to produce, and now again, we've seen we've seen pretty much everything we need to see about Odell. I think this is the year that he kind of bounces bounces back. he gets closer to being New York Odell than people think and he's going to get away. He was from- starting to
1: last year. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unfortunate he got hurt because we were seeing flashes of, oh, crap, he's back. Claypool and Higgins I would take easily over him. For sure. Because of their upside and their floor. They're not coming off of an injury, a very serious knee injury. So if those guys are gone and he's there, I'm I'm fine taking him as opposed to saying, oh, my two guys are gone or or that little group is gone let me adjust and go tight end here or go quarterback here. I would not do that. I would be right. fine taking him as opposed to changing my game plan. He's not one of those guys. that's a huge teardrop, uh, but he's not a favorite. Right. But, I, but I'm fine. If if I land Odell Beckham as a six round pick, I think I'll be just fine. Who's next. Next. We've got
0: a guy who had a, he had his biggest season last year. We've got Corey Davis signed by the jets. Huge signing. Is it, though? <laughs> Is it, though? <laughs> for him. It's like, he's finally the one. I don't know, man. It's like, its I don't know. To me, this feels... I guess he's had chances to be the one. To me, this feels one. like Zach Wilson woke up on Christmas Day, and he knew he asked his parents for an Xbox. And then, like, he opens up the box, and it's like a knockoff from China called Game Box. And, like, all he wanted was a wide receiver one. They're like, yeah, absolutely. Here's Corey Davis. And then he's like, oh, man. Thanks. Like, he doesn't want to say he's disappointed, but you have Corey Davis as your wide receiver one. Can he give you 58 yards a week? Nothing's a given with the Jets, Travis. Is he a 1,000 yard receiver? He's never been a 1,000 yard receiver. So,
1: right now, no.
0: So, last year
1: he was right now, one yard, one yard a week shy so of you're a 1,000 yard season. So you're, as so the you're two.
0: telling me he didn't have 1,000
1: yards. Right. He did not. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, I'm not arguing what's already happened. I'm just saying so he was not, one yard a week. So he's not shy a 1,000 yard receiver. As the two. Now, as the one, do you think he makes a small jump into that 1,000 yard receiver group?
0: I think he will go to jump into that group and he will trip because he's on the Jets.
1: So you've got him shy of 1,000 yards.
0: Look he's playing with a rookie quarterback and I don't feel comfortable saying he's definitely getting a thousand yards because like that would put him like right around the wide receiver, like 24, you know, that the numbers we have projected
1: for him would put him right around the wide receiver, 24 in
0: points per game.
1: He was one catch a week outside of wide receiver, 24 last year.
0: Sure. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just not locking it in as a, as a hundred percent guarantee because Again, this kind of sounds like I'm waffling, but the guys that they have there and have brought in, they, t- they took a second-round pick in Elijah Moore. They've got Jamison Crowder that they brought back to bring him along, but he's still going to be involved in the offense. And then they've got Denzel Mims, who doesn't know what good Salmon looks like. Apparently, he lost 20 pounds, which is— I've got
1: a buddy that says Salmon. actually got a few people that say that. His name is Alberto Jr., and we can call him out for his uh, his salmon pronunciation. But can you give me his address? I have people I know that take care of people like that. I think it's salmon. Oh, I think goodness. it's
0: Sam. S a m. Yeah, I think it's because it's salmon, Travis. No one calls it. Oh gosh, people! If you have someone that's calling it salmon, salmon,
1: the way he it rolls off of his tongue is just a little fishy to me. He really said that.
0: I I am sorry <laughs> to everyone. So. <laughs> You're welcome, right, so Junior. Davis almost had a hundred or a thousand yards last year, and he had sixty-five catches on less than a hundred targets. That is one piece that is a nice case for him, but the guys that he's going around, I I don't know. I mean, he's going in the tenth round, and as far as getting a number one option in the tenth round goes, he's he's about as safe as you can get at that stage of the draft. I mean, you're talking guys like Michael Gallup, Henry Ruggs, McCole Hardman and Devontae Parker. He's also, I mean, right around that area of Michael Pittman and Darnell Mooney, who I yeah. may like more than
1: Corey Davis. I'd be fine with either of them before I prob- before I Corey. Might, but I think that he's in I think the three of them I are might in a take group above the Gallup Ruggs argument.
0: There's an argument for Corey Davis over Mooney, but over Pittman I would there, there's probably a discussion for a later date on that because I think Pittman probably offers up a little bit more. Um, haven't seen it yet, but, again, this is assuming that Carson Wentz is healthy and that offense gets rolling. I just, Again, just talking roster construction, the Jets are not set up to succeed this year. There's no guarantee that that running game will get going. The offensive line needs, has a lot to prove to me, even though they've got some nice um, young talent that's going to be playing you know, or Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, Actually, I have to check because I don't...
1: I think that almost... Does that play into Corey Davis over Pittman? Because if you've got JT and what we're hoping to see, what we're expecting to see from the Colts and their offensive line being really good, establishing their run and being effective, they're not going to be coming from behind at the rate the Jets are that we're expecting, right? So that might just lead to an uptick for Corey Davis that maybe gives him an edge on a guy like Pittman because they're they're having to throw the entire second half. As I mean, at least yeah. that's what we're we're thinking I mean, game flow yeah. wise. So
0: you're saying I don't I don't ever really buy into the have to throw more because it's different if like the Chiefs are playing with a terrible defense and then they have to throw more. Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes can, can execute all the throws. I haven't seen a single throw in the NFL from Zach Wilson yet. So you telling me that they have True. to throw more, which just tells me like there could just be a whole bunch of terrible passes going next year. Ask Daniel Jones, you know, ask, ask, yeah. ask Daniel Jones, how that goes. Ask Kenny Galladay after this season, how he's going to feel getting all of those targets <laughs> he's which is he's the next guy that we want to talk about. So
1: so just to wrap up Corey Davis. I,
0: as far as Corey Davis goes, I'm in on Corey Davis at his ADP. Yeah. Um cuz that late in the draft, you're just looking for guys that could be the number 1 on their team. I like bashing the Jets, it makes me feel good. Um where do you sit on Corey
1: Davis and we'll move on? At ADP at, at wide receiver 48, I think that's very safe. That's a that's his floor. Yeah. I think 48 is a, is an absolute low floor for him. Agreed. I can see him being a top 36 guy just based on volume. He's been really close. I think he's been within 30 yards of 1,000 yards twice. So it,
0: If you had to plug him in as your wide receiver three in a week, you'd be fine.
1: Yeah, I would be fine with it. I'd be more excited probably than plugging in a Devontae Parker.
0: Sure. Now, Kenny Galladay, the G stands for gross. The Giants, yeah, so... Coming in, I, I felt a little bit – I felt better about him coming in because I'm like, okay, he's going to be I, – I, I do like Daniel Jones a little bit more than the consensus. I feel like last year there was no way that team was going to succeed even with Saquon, and then the football gods are like, well, since you're not going to need Saquon this year anyway, I'll take him. So I think that offense is going to be improved. Um, in terms of awful offensive lines – the Giants were awful last year. They were one of the worst lines in football. Um, but yeah. w- having Saquon back, I think that offense will be able to move a little bit more. Um, What really worries me about Galladay, though, specifically about Galladay, is that he's already having soft tissue issues early in camp, and those typically tend to resurface throughout the year. And especially mm-hmm. with a guy like Kenny Galladay, who has had a history of hamstring issues in the past. This is red flags all over the place, and I'm out. I'm out. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, I'm out on Kenny Galladay.
1: Yeah, we don't have to do it. We don't have to do a, a, a super deep dive into Kenny G to say everybody's out. I mean, Frank, Clinic Cap, everybody hates Rob, and and Luke. Everybody, Every, hates everybody that we talk to, everybody hates Kenny. Yeah, everybody's out on Kenny right now. It's easy to say that with, like you said, with the hamstring issue going on already in camp, he's burned a lot of people because of injuries in the past. But I do have one devil's advocate question for Kenny before we move on to our last guy. We don't have to spend too much time on Kenny, but I do want to ask this one.
0: Give the people some hope.
1: Right now, he's going around Deontay Johnson, Claypool, DJ Moore, and T. Higgins. We, We like all of those guys better than Kenny. Sure. Absolutely. I think that's a consensus deal. So he's going in the middle of the fifth right now. With the injury news, as we get closer to the season, let's say they say we think he'll be ready by week two or three. He starts to fall. Now he's right next to Odell Beckham. Which do you prefer in the sixth round, towards the end of the sixth, if the Higgins, Claypool, Johnson, Moore window is shut? You're looking at Odell and Kenny. Do you pass on both? Between the two, who are you going to go with?
0: I would go Odell. I'm still going really there, yeah. Because Kenny, G... they're both
1: expected to be ones on their team. This is not yeah, a. It's just at that point, which offense
0: two. do I want more? And the Browns are going to be right. better than the Giants. It just yep. it's as easy as that. Um, as your wide receiver, at that point, your wide receiver three. I, the appeal for Kenny G was that he was a healthy out, you know, alpha type receiver. He's the closest thing the alpha or the Giants were going to have to an alpha, and. Daniel Jones throws it accurately down the field. He's not an accurate do not don't hear what I'm not saying. Daniel Jones is not an accurate passer. He happens to throw a very good deep ball, which is what Kenny G feeds on. So that was the one appeal, and now that, you know, he could be missing games, all this tells me is that I need to start taking Darius Slayton at the very end of my drafts.
1: Yep. He's gonna you know, be there one a lot of weeks.
0: That offense is gonna be gross if they don't have Kenny G. Again, if if he's healthy, mm-hmm. again, we like to assume health.
1: Um, I think I would still rather Odell um So you don't hate him, you're you're fine with him towards the back end of the sixth, if especially if he falls to the seventh. Sure. You're not okay with him in the Deontay Claypool Higgins group. I, I agree. I think everybody agrees with that.
0: I would take all of those guys over him um in turn sorry kenny yeah sorry but not sorry a guy that i used to be huge on and it breaks my heart to put him on this list
1: absolutely in love with let's not understate this excitement that used to have he
0: was my guy debo samuel what happened brother i mean he's being drafted as the wide receiver 35 right now in fantasy pros you like you so we put up our own write-ups on our own show sheet and you just absolutely lit this dude on fire like left him for dead there's nothing left there's nothing left there
1: is there's just dead i want him to be as good as you want him to be
0: i want him to be so good but the I, i'm coming around to the fact that i don't think that this dream of mine is ever going to happen because he's he can't stay healthy First of all, there's always seems to be some sort of nagging injury or a hamstring here. Um, they, I he's will say an awesome athlete when he he's is healthy. so good. He's such a good athlete and they when he's healthy, he's dynamic. but he had that one run when they went to the Super Bowl where he was like like lighting it up he was lighting it up and you know they were getting the ball to him downfield and they were you know, forcing in the him the ball. Just yeah. absolutely feeding him everything that he could handle.
1: I feel like that's what people remember, like they refuse to remember anything other than that.
0: Probably. Well, because other other podcasts has got a or, fun
1: name, it just sticks.
0: <laughs> other, yeah, he's Debo. You know, he's the guy yeah. from, fr- you know, Friday, you know, that's exactly. that's who he is. But once you get past all that, this is he's on a team that brought in a around one wide receiver last or er, 2 years ago and I blew up last year. Kittle is going to be you know the one A on that team. I believe still. There's a chance that a rookie quarterback is playing at some point this year, possibly, and Debo can't stay healthy. And when he does, he he isn't exactly winning you a bunch of weeks. He had he had what? He had seven games last week or last year when he was healthy, and I think at four of them he burned you um is this that's a stat
1: that that you would found 4 out of 7 and that's that's something that i kind of disagree with Rob and Luke Sawhook so Rob says that he thinks Debo is a stud when he's healthy which we have not seen Debo is a stud he's a stud athlete but from a fantasy's perspective we haven't seen stud he's far from a stud in fantasy maybe other than one game he's
0: going into his third season and he has four receiving touchdowns and
1: three rushing touchdowns. Take that how you will. Nothing about it says stud, and nothing about it says what Luke is saying too, saying that Debo is a reliable top twenty-four. He's not been reliable.
0: Yeah, I thought. I don't outside to, of injury. So Luke is definitely in on Debo. That's hey, I, yep. I I'm there, man. I let me just save you the pain though.
1: I don't hate it. I just disagree with
0: just, it. Just yeah, where he's going at his ADP. I hate Rob. Yeah, well, that's what he wants, though. <laughs> like that That is what he wants. But in terms of, like, half-point PPR leagues, Debo's going at about pick 80. I mean, that's what, eighth round? Sixth round. Uh, seventh round, sorry. Seventh it's round. far too early. I can't, I can't do it. He's going before Jerry Judy. He's going around Robbie Anderson. He's going before Brandon Cooks and Curtis Samuel. Those are all guys. LaVisca Chennault, Mike Williams. I, these are all guys
1: I would take before him. And – Again, we don't... Yes. I don't... And the numbers back it up. In his healthy games in 2020, in all seven healthy games, his average was nine points per game. Right, but who was
0: throwing him the ball?
1: We don't think that they're that different... Exactly. ...fantasy-wise than Jimmy G. As as, As far as producing fantasy talent, he had one game in 2020, one game that he finished as a wide receiver one.
0: In games he played... In twenty, in twenty twenty, he averaged six point three targets and fifty five yards. Ouch! It's not great, you know. He's not getting a bunch of targets. That's less again, than a thousand yards talk- on the
1: year if he plays a full year.
0: He's not getting a bunch of touchdowns. Either. He hasn't played sixteen games yet. You know, coming into his third season, this is going to be a make or break year for Debo. I believe. I don't. Again, I don't. I'm not taking him over Robbie or Judy. Will Fuller even? You know, kind of same health concerns, but we'll see. Will Fuller's at least done it before. You know, Anto- I'm taking that whole group Antonio over Antonio Brown. Yeah, and then of course the other guys that I just mentioned. You know, Laviska, Brandon Cooks, even I just I can't I can't take Debo over those guys when he might not be the he's probably at best the third option on that team. Yep. You know, I just don't suggest drafting him in his ADP. So as far as the on the fence argument, I am off the fence. I am I'm definitely on the, out on the yeah, I'm out I'm out of the fence, or as you said, I'm out the gate out the gate. Yeah, that's I- he
1: didn't burn you. he did not burn you in 2019, when he played almost a full year, he wasn't somebody who burned you, and i I appreciate guys like that. I'm a high floor owner. I just can't understand the concept of when he's healthy, he's a stud, when he's healthy, he's reliable if he's never gone over 17 points in any game in 2019, when he played almost a whole year in a half point PPR, he never had 18 points or more one time. That can't be a stud. You you can't put him, you can't give him that word.
0: Uh, it's unfortunate. It really is because, you know, he, like you said, he is a dynamic athlete. Athletically, he's comparable to, to Chris Godwin, uh, according to player com And, You can see it. When you see him play, he's a super slot, you know. He's awesome. He is. He's fun to watch play, except, like, you'll watch him play, like, oh, my gosh, that one play he made was crazy. And then you remember you started him that week, and he got you 20 – he got 20 yards on that one play, and then they gave him three handoffs for 13 yards, and then that was – that was it. Yeah, watching
1: him play is so much more fun than needing fantasy points from (laughs) him for your team.
0: Because they – he's not a red zone, like – Priority, you know, like you said, seven touchdowns. He has three rushing touchdowns. I mean, they've got other weapons now. I, yeah, it's, he's going to. He's not going to be reliable in the seventh round.
1: You, it, so we both, we both really want him to be. I
0: want him to be so good, a top
1: twenty-four, top twenty guy. I we both want to root for him. We want yeah, him to do well. You can't tell me. But you. at his current ADP, I can't get behind. No,
0: because you can't. You cannot predict when he's going to have a good week. He could have a great matchup. And no idea if that's going to work out for him because, again, they manufacture touches for him, but what what has that done for fantasy? And then if he gets –
1: You will not enjoy the ride. He
0: hasn't been healthy. I just – in the seventh round, if he were to fall to the ninth or something like that, sure, I I would take a risk on Debo, but not the seventh, not when there's other guys that we mentioned that could still be the one on their teams and still be productive offenses. So we're out. We are out.
1: We're out. We're off the fence on all these guys on in one direction or the other. I think doing this and asking some opinions of other people is something that we're going to do more often and even have people not call in, but <laughs> zoom into the show and get on the podcast with us, debate some guys that are tough to talk about like Debo, like Odell, because everybody has different uh, stats they like to use, different mindsets and perspectives on things. So we really do appreciate the feedback and responses. That was fun.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Thank, thank you all to, for responding on Twitter. Look forward to having more conversations. That's going to do it for us and this episode of the Losing Sucks Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Losing Sucks.